Hey friends, it's Mal. Welcome back to my channel if you're watching on YouTube and welcome back to the podcast if you're listening on Witch Church. Today, I felt the call to record a little something about the upcoming Saturn-Mercury-Sun conjunction in Pisces. And technically, Mercury and Saturn will both be Kazemi, which means that they are in a very, very, very close conjunction with the Sun. So I wanted to talk a little bit, specifically uh, highlighting a little bit more of Saturn in this video, but we'll throw in Mercury as well in some ways. But uh, I want to do a little forecast of this transit. I want to talk about some of the things that have been coming to me when it comes to the energy of the sky at the moment. And we'll do, we'll throw in some rising sign forecasts as well towards the end. So if you're interested in learning more about this transit, which really only takes place once a year, um, at least the Saturn Kazemi. Now, this is a particularly interesting Saturn Kazemi because, again, it's involving Mercury. Um, but before we get too into the transit, before I start blabbing too much, I just wanted to quickly mention that I have a new online class that is open for enrollment right now called Fools Who Run With The Wolves. And this is a therapeutic book club container based off of the book Women Who Run With The Wolves by Clarissa Pincola Estes. This is one of the books that really changed my, my life and it was something that kind of went hand in hand with the beginning of my I guess, spiritual path <laughs> uh, back in 2018. I remember getting my first tarot deck and Women Who Run With The Wolves within a couple months of each other. And between my tarot deck and the book, it's sort of being like a guide of sorts in this time where I was embarking on the very first sort of steps of peeling back some of the conditioning of my life, I guess you could say. Um, so this book is really special and important. And uh, if you've ever tried to read it by yourself, you might have had an experience of being like, oh my God, this is too much. Cause it's a very, um, I mean, it's extremely well-written book, but it's also very thick, it's fluffy. There's a lot of metaphor. There's it's not your um, it's, it's not your like straight and narrow path. You know, there's there's a lot in this book to be reckoned with, and I realized over the years of just piecing this book together and also using some chapters in certain classes I've been offering. Um, I'm like, oh my god, this is so powerful to study this book as a group and it's really occurred to me over the past couple of years that this book is actually meant to be read as a group. Um, so 
Fools Who Run With The Wolves is a bit of a therapeutic book club container, but it also is a container of transformation because this isn't just like a boring old book club. It's not your mom's book club, right? Like you kind of come in and there's definitely some personal transformation that takes place in reading and studying this book as a group. I'll also incorporate things like journal prompts and tarot card stuff um, and probably some astrology stuff too. So last time I ran this container, it was like back in summer of 2022, I think. And it was just super powerful. And I've been waiting for the right time to run it again. Okay, so um, the link to register is in the show notes below. Or if you want to read a further course description on my site, please do. And I would love to have you join this transformative container where we study women who run with the wolves together. And by the way, one of the reasons I name it Fools Who Run With The Wolves is because um, even though the book uh, appears to come from a more female perspective, I do want to invite all identities and expressions into the course. And, um, and I am also queer, so even though I don't always completely identify as woman, <laughs> I still very much, um, very much relate to the book itself. So uh, do know that you're still welcome, um, even if you don't directly identify um, with the, the identity of woman. Um, I think this book really applies to a lot of different walks of life. And I think that's actually how Clarissa Pincola Estes meant it to apply, okay? Um, so let's get into the Saturn Kazemi. Um, I'm excited. So this transit actually happens around 2 a.m. Central Time on February 28th. Um, Saturn and Mercury will join the sun at around nine degrees Pisces. What's interesting is that we haven't had a Saturn Kazemi uh, in Pisces uh, in like about 30 years or so, just because it takes Saturn about 28, 29, 30 years to make it through the entire zodiac. Last year in 2023, Saturn did make its annual Kazemi with the sun, but it was in Aquarius because this was right before Saturn transitioned into Pisces. So this is sort of the first Saturn Pisces, Saturn and Pisces Kazemi we've seen in a while. Uh, we will have one more Saturn Kazemi next year as well that will be on March 12th 2025 uh, and I mentioned that because you know I think it's helpful to think of these moments in longer cycles right like Saturn will be in Pisces from roughly 
Well, it's been in Pisces since February 2023, and it will stay in Pisces until um, early summer, late spring 2025, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, we, we're in this longer Saturn in Pisces transit, and we are all trying to reckon with what Saturn in Pisces actually means and, and signifies, right? Um, and specifically, this, this Kazemi Point. When I say Kazemi, what do I mean? Um, Kazemi is a term, actually it comes from the Hellenistic period of astrology um, that we use to describe a planet becoming very, very, very close to the sun. And uh, I think it's like within 17 minutes or something along those lines. Um, and when the planet comes this close to the sun, it's almost like the sun illuminates the planet in a really special way. And no matter what the planet is going through, in that short Kazemi period, we get a really special manifestation of the planet itself. So we could say that Saturn is sort of going through a rebirth on February 28th. And yes, Mercury is involved too. I think because Mercury being the planet of the mind um, is going through this Kazemi point as well. There's like this extra special, almost Eureka <laughs> kind of thing going on. It's like not only do we have Saturn rebirthing, we have Mercury going through the rebirth as well, adding to even more, I guess, mental stimulation behind this transit. I think this makes the transit more intellectually probing. Some astrologers may disagree with me because they might say, oh, well, Mercury's in Pisces and Mercury doesn't like to be in Pisces because Pisces is very, you know, airy fairy, la di da da. And Mercury likes to be A plus B equals C. You know, so Mercury doesn't always love to function in Pisces, but I will say I think Mercury has its strengths in Pisces. And if we can speak to Mercury through poetry <laughs> and and through um, uh, through metaphor, then we actually get a lot of. Um, a lot of wisdom from Mercury in Pisces, okay? Uh, so don't discount the power of an epiphany that is happening during Mercury in Pisces. Um, so that's kind of in the background here, but something I wanted to say about Saturn and the meaning of Saturn, especially during a Kazemi point, um, you know, one of my favorite books by Liz Green, um, who doesn't love Liz Green, the OG? Uh, this is the book Saturn, the new look at the old devil. We love this book. Um, definitely would recommend this being in, uh, if you're an astrology student, I would recommend having this book in your library. It is, uh, you know, Liz Green, uh, you know, she's, she has beautiful writing, obviously, and um, 
you know, sometimes her significations are the most intense, <laughs> you know, you could describe it, you know. Um, so even though she's writing about Saturn, uh, Liz Green's uh, writing in general feels very Plutonian to me, like very uh, intense and extreme. So don't let this book scare you per se, uh, <laughs> but you will get some extreme reckonings with Saturn through this book. Um, but uh, there's this one quote from this book, I think she sort of encompasses the meaning of Saturn uh, really well. Uh, Liz Green writes, Saturn symbolizes a psychic process as well as a quality or kind of experience. He is not merely a representative of pain, restriction, and discipline. He is also a symbol of the psychic process, natural to all human beings, by which an individual may utilize the experience of pain, restriction, and discipline as a means for greater consciousness and fulfillment. Okay, so I'm just going to read this last part one more time. Um, so Saturn symbolizes, you know, a way in which an individual may utilize the experience of pain, restriction, and discipline as a means for greater consciousness and fulfillment. Okay, so I think that in a weird way really speaks to specifically Saturn going through this Kazemi moment, which a Kazemi, no matter what planet, is going through this very close conjunction with the sun, um, the planet is being rebirthed. So what does it mean for Saturn, who we so easily associate with pain, restriction, limitations, endings, you know, like, uh, and I'm not saying those things aren't true, uh, but we so easily associate Saturn with those, those more negative connotations. Uh, sometimes we forget that Saturn also is a moment of maturity and Saturn, especially important Saturn transits also represent, like Liz Green says, when pain restriction um, become a means for greater consciousness and fulfillment. Okay, so er, let's just pause here for a second. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think that doesn't mean that, I don't think it's helpful when you're in the uh, crux of grief or pain or um, through a really hard lesson, I don't think it's helpful to jump to how do I make this into a meaningful thing? How do I make this into something fulfilling? Um, well, maybe it is. I mean, who am I to say what is helpful for some people is not helpful for others. Um, but, you know, I don't want anybody to interpret that as uh, sort of this love and light, like every hardship 
<laughs> every, every hardship turns into um, uh, meaning eventually. Uh, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. Uh, like, yeah, I guess, but at the same time, um, I think we arrive at that moment of meaning from our challenges in a natural timing. Uh, that's not something that can be forced, right? Um, we can't force ourselves to, we can't force our nervous systems to resolve a trauma and jump into this meaning-making gold mine, you know? Like, uh, so as much as Saturn represents um, maturation, yeah, becoming more mature, I almost feel like this Kazemi may be a moment where we naturally arrive. It's not by force, it's not by this like love and light, see everything so positively, you know, but we almost arrive at some kind of eureka moment about um, maybe how a hardship is assisting us at this moment um, or how a challenge has made us wiser um, and it's okay to still feel some type of way <laughs> you know about that challenge or that hardship like I've I've gone through things before where I'm like I hate the feeling of this <laughs> like this doesn't feel good and I can see how this is strengthening my uh, mental discipline or, you know, something along those lines, right? Um, and I think this is really the Saturn Kazemi uh, moment. It's when Saturn is able to reckon with meaning in some way. Uh, we're, we're just naturally, again, we're not forcing it, but we're coming to some reckoning with the meaning of a challenge, um, you know, um, and that meaning doesn't even have to be wrapped up into like, a uh, um, a red bow, you know, uh, like doesn't have to be like sprinkled with golden sparkles, <laughs> you know? Like, I, I don't think, um, I don't think this has to be happy and uh, it doesn't have to be particularly joyful, but there's also some wisdom that comes from this epiphany, okay? Um, so that's my spark notes on maybe what this powerful moment with Saturn may bring, uh, you know, let's say February 27th, 28th, 29th, maybe even into March 2nd or 3rd, 2024. Um, I was also thinking about a tarot card that is maybe representative of the Saturn Kazemi moment. 
and uh, I pulled, or I just, I, I mean, I pulled the Hermit. Um, so this is one of my favorite cards in the tarot, if not my favorite card. Uh, I just, I love the meaning of this card. Um, just because the Hermit is, is number nine. So it's an ending. We could, we could totally bring in numerology to this uh, interpretation because nine is the ending, right? Uh, nine represents the wisdom we've gained at the end of the cycle. And now we're rebirthing into something new. And it's funny because this Kazemi happens at nine degrees Pisces. Pisces is also the final sign of the zodiac before we rebirth into Aries, right? So it's like nine in Pisces, like there's there's something numerologically significant um, behind this Kazemi, I think, as well. Um, that also could be because I'm a life path number nine, so I could just be like making this up. But, um, you know, going back to the hermit, uh, the hermit is number nine. Now, 10 and 11 in the major arcana are uh, the wheel of fortune, 10, and justice, 11. The wheel of fortune, in a nutshell, understanding spirit timing. Then justice 11 um, is sort of like divine law. It's like the card of divine timing, the card of divine law. Um, it makes sense that we have to be the hermit. We have to be the old wise one. We have to be a, at a certain level of maturity, spiritual. We have to have a certain level of spiritual understanding in order to grasp at the next two cards, which are divine timing and divine law. You know, like there's some big stuff coming up <laughs> in the tarot. Um, so it's almost like the hermit is preparing to receive divine knowledge. Um, the hermit also, because he's holding the lantern, it's almost like he's in direct communication with higher consciousness, uh, with the other realm, uh, with his higher self, with God, with the universe, with astrology. Um, you know, this is whom who he's he's concerned with communicating with okay like the hermit's not talking to the um you know the the cash the 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 cashier at the um at the grocery store right not that i'm saying you know a cashier at the grocery store can't be wise <laughs> I was once a cashier at a grocery store, um, and I am very, very wise. Um, no, uh, but I think there's something here about um, 
the hermit is the hermit. He's by himself. He's in the mountains. He's in the cabin in the woods. He's not in society. He's not going through the the um, the line at the grocery store. He's not saying hi to the neighbors on your walk in the morning. He's not dropping off the kids at, in the carpool line. He's he's not he's not in society right? He, he's somewhere else. He's in his cabin in the woods doing his thing. The only person he's talking to is the, the higher realm, which is why then he starts to get information 10 and 11 from divine timing and divine law, which then maybe adds up to how he perceives like the meaning of life, right? Um, so there's something, there's like a vibe. <laughs> in conclusion, there's a vibe. Um, in conclusion, uh, yeah, think about stepping into the hermit card during this uh, transit. I think I'm going to go on, on the 28th. I think I'm going to go spend some time at an art museum, um, you know, just, I don't know, I just feel like doing something meaningful that you enjoy doing alone, um, a bike ride, a, a walk, um, uh, something meditative uh, might be helpful because going back to the Saturn Kazemi and also the Mercury Kazemi, um, there is some there's some mental shift happening. Um, it's almost like we're having this realization, something that once challenged me deeply is no longer a direct challenge. And now the lessons that that challenge taught me are helping me, right? Um, that's what we're coming to realize in some way. So, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, you know, here I have too. Um, there's something about uh, when a planet passes through that Kazemi point, uh, it reminds me of like a track and field race. Is that, or like just like a race, I don't know where you're like carrying a baton and you're handing something off to the next person so they can continue running. Um, that's kind of what it's, is happening when a planet passes through the conjunction with the sun. There's some kind of transition of power or passing of the baton. So it's like what baton is is the sun grabbing from Saturn? Uh, what's the transition of power happening? The, the death and rebirth, the transitioning of power, um, meaning what was once a powerful challenge uh, in our lives? Uh, the, now the transition is like that challenge is passing the baton and we're gaining more wisdom. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel about this 
transit. So that's one way of thinking about it, okay? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, one more thing, I hesitate to mention to the, this because I've already blabbed so much and I want to get into the rising sign forecasts. But um, I thought I'd just really quickly highlight um, a, f a famous person who has Saturn in Pisces to just give a little bit more maybe uh, insight into Saturn in Pisces in general. Um, and uh, Walt Whitman was a Saturn and Pisces native. Uh, maybe I, <laughs> so disclaimer, I think this is a famous person because I, <laughs> I was an English major. Okay, if you can't tell, if you didn't, if you weren't picking up on that vibe already. I was also going to mention Hamlet in this thing, but I'm saving you guys from that. Um, but just in general, I think Hamlet is a very Saturnian figure. Uh, anyways, we won't go down that road, but let's just go to Walt Whitman for a second. Uh, so Walt Whitman was born, uh, end of May in 1819. Um, we refer to Walt Whitman as like the father of American poetry. Um, also the father of free verse poetry. So, um, you know, before Walt Whitman, poetry was very structured <clears throat> Saturn, okay? Poetry had a structure. Remember, in your, remember, just take, take yourself back to English class in high school. You were being tortured by your teacher. They were making you do things like read a sonnet and a limerick. Um, roses are red, violets are blue. Um, you know, we were taught, we've learned that poetry oftentimes comes in a certain structure, a rhyme scheme. Uh, now, Walt Whitman was one of the first poets to really make free verse poetry a thing. So he said, I'm not going to put my poetry in a rhyme scheme. I'm not going to put my, my verse in a certain structure that goes, you know, A, B, A, B, C, D, 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 you know? Um, he said, I want my poetry to be free. I don't want it to have a structure. Okay, why do I mention this? <clears throat> He's a Saturn in Pisces. <laughs> you know, he takes a existing structure and he basically says, I don't want it anymore. I'm gonna free myself from this structure and make a whole new structure from that freedom. <laughs> uh, so when we're thinking about the meaning of Saturn and Pisces in general, I'm thinking about the endings of structures and how we're now freeing ourselves from the structures that are now old 
And there's something extra metaphorical about that as Saturn is rebirth dying and rebirthing at nine degrees Pisces the last sign of the zodiac like this is really um sort of death and rebirth heavy um and I mean Whitman being the father of American poetry being the father of free verse poetry I mean still to this day um his structure his no structure structure um still influences poets today right uh because most people write in free verse in general i mean most people don't write in a sonnet anymore right a limerick or whatever uh so i don't know if anybody got anything out of that but uh just something I find interesting okay time to zip it and let's get into some rising sign forecasts and again I want to take us through what's the transition of power happening in this house the Pisces house in your chart um what is Saturn finally seeing or what is Saturn able to gain now from a past struggle? Saturn is now gaining wisdom, clarity, uh, meaning to move forward in a way that maybe he hasn't been able to before. Okay, so let's start with I don't know let's start with Taurus rising <laughs> I don't know let's just start with Taurus rising um Taurus rising uh we've got the Saturn Kazemi happening in your 11th house of networks and groups uh 11th house is also important people that we are connected with benefactors um you know i'm thinking through some personal means of expansion which is jupiter transiting your first house uh which we don't we didn't really mention that jupiter is ruling this kazemi and saturn but uh, the Saturn Kazemi, but I'm going to mention it now. Um, you know, through some personal expansion in the first house, Jupiter, now um, you've separated from groups, networks, people, friends uh, that no longer serve or no longer fit your personal expansion. You know, and now Saturn is rebirthing in the 11th house. And it's like now you're free and clear to connect with the people who are aligned with your new vision. Um, this sort of reminds me of. You guys are gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm about to make a real housewives um reference. Uh but 
you know, I was thinking about Heather on uh, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. You know, her storyline is like leaving the Mormon ch church, right? And she writes this book called Bad Mormon. And, uh, you know, as she starts to show up more authentically, you know, which is very Jupiter in the first house. And I don't know if she's a Taurus rising. I just, this is just what I'm thinking. Um, you know, she shows up more authentically and, you know, but she's leaving her Mormon community, right? Mormon family stuff. So that's sort of like Saturn Kazemi in the 11th house. Like, oh, like I had to leave this whole community behind in order to find the people that really resonate with me so you know not all Taurus risings are leaving the Mormon church <laughs> but but there's like something going on with uh community and your own identity and how those two things are connected okay okay so that's Taurus rising uh Gemini rising we've got the uh 10th house of career that is where the saturn kazemi is coming in uh and jupiter the ruler of the saturn kazemi is in the 12th house of the subconscious i literally have the perfect example of this um so my friend gemini rising uh just in the past month or so uh went on a plant medicine retreat jupiter in the 12th house went on a plant medicine retreat had all of these epiphanies and now is coming back to work um you know this person's a very successful uh freelancer with their own like kind of consulting business uh, they're coming back to work after such a deeply transformative experience and like work has sort of lost meaning <laughs> or uh, work doesn't seem as important as it once did. There's not as much psychological weight on performance and authority uh, you know, it's more like, what do I have to do that is enough? But once it's enough, then um, is it really wise to continue to climb this endless ladder? Or should I just get off the ladder and be content with where I am? You know, like, there's just like a, a deeper desire to nurture more of the spiritual life and even take focus a bit away from career and just kind of it's not to say all Gemini Risings are quitting their job or whatever but um, there's something here about it career is enough um, like uh, I do want to focus on my dreams and my ambitions but now i'm i'm showing up in a different way right and maybe my ambitions didn't mean the thing that i thought they meant like my whole life i dreamed of 
becoming a doctor, okay? But then you you do that and you realize, oh shit, like I only did this to please my parents or, you know, um, like there's something like that coming through. Uh, and again, you might not be quitting your job, Gemini Risings. You're not, you know, it's more like a perspective shift. Like meaning is coming from elsewhere now. Okay, Cancer Rising. Uh, we've got the Kazemi, Saturn Kazemi happening in the ninth house. <sighs> Travel, spirituality, connection with God, belief systems. I just took a deep breath because <laughs> I'm a Cancer Rising and I'm like, oh, yikes. Um, uh, but, you know, I'm thinking Jupiter's in the 11th house, groups, networks you know, it's like, um, you know, there, there's something here about, it's kind of like a soul tribe, like, so like you're finding your, your people or the, the people that really are, um, aligned for you, uh, Jupiter in the 11th house, um, and it's affecting your belief systems. These people or these groups that you're leading, these students that you're teaching, these new friends that you've made, um, the community you've been integrating into, uh, now it's changing your perspective on things, your beliefs about yourself, your beliefs about your career, your beliefs about the world are now changing. Um, I also think about how the ninth house has to do with um, not only our beliefs, but um, other belief systems, like other cultural, religious contexts um, that can change our worldview. So for like instance, you could travel, you could be grow, you could grow up in a predominantly Christian country and then go travel to a predominantly Buddhist country or Muslim country. And uh, it doesn't mean you're necessarily converting to Buddhism or Islam, but you know, that just being in that cultural context gives you a new perspective on different ways of being. And somehow, as we see more beliefs different than ours, we become less, less attached to why ours is the best one, <laughs> you know, or like why we're right or why we believe the truth itself, or we become less attached to this idea of, you know, God is whispering straight into my ear, <laughs> you know, the truth of the world. Um, you know, we learn that uh, it's so important to have different perspectives. So there could be a greater call for the Cancer Risings to go seek those different perspectives 
it's like Saturn rebirthing in the ninth house is like, yeah, I wasn't completely right about this. Or uh, could there be more to be learned? Okay, there's like a rebirth in the in the area of I need to learn more. Okay, Leo rising, we've got the uh, Saturn Cassini happening in the eighth house, uh, which is other people's resources. And something that was coming to mind specifically for the Leo risings in terms of the eighth house, uh, thinking about how the eighth house is a lot about trust. Um, trust that the resources that we need are, are coming. You know, I just talked to a Leo rising, um, who's having a big rebirth in their life right now. Uh, you know, a lot of eighth house things like uh, a divorce and you know, things like that. And they really needed a car. And through some way or another, they um, were able to borrow their friend's car for the next year. And I heard this story, I was like, Oh, my God, such an eighth house, Saturn Kazemi. Like just when you thought, like, um, you know, I have no one, or I can only trust in myself. Uh, the universe proves us wrong and says, actually, here's these resources, and all you had to do was ask for help. Um, you know, there's there's some relationship to asking for help that is being learned by the Leo Risings. Uh, and I also think this has to do with Jupiter expanding the 10th house of career. It's like your authority, your personal authority is expanding. You're gaining momentum and traction in the area of individuality and individual autonomy, autonomy but yet you still remember that there's no getting rid of the 8th house. <laughs> I don't care how independent you think you are. Anybody. You still have an eighth house. You're still connected to others. So um, it's almost like this relationship to others is uh, transforming in some way. Uh, Virgo rising. Uh, we've got uh, the Kazemi happening in the seventh house of relationships. It's funny, I also just talked to a Virgo rising who's going through a divorce moment, separation moment. So that could be something that's coming to terms, you're coming to terms with as a Virgo rising. That's not to say all Virgo risings are going through uh, a divorce or separation from their partner. Um, but those who are, uh, there could, you know, I'm just was stunned by uh, this person's reflections of their own relationship patterns uh, that they have now been able to realize and face in this separation process. So even if 
you know, you and your partner are fine and dandy, or maybe you're a Virgo rising and you're very happy being single right now, or maybe you're not and you're like wanting to meet someone. Either way, there's some reckoning and, and meaning making from our relational patterns. Uh, and Jupiter's in the ninth house of belief systems. So Virgo risings are thinking a lot about what did my family, my parents teach me about what relationships have to be versus what do I really want? I mean, as an astrologer, it's such a gift because I get to like experience people realizing, oh, this wasn't actually mine. Like this was just something society has taught me. And I can't tell you how many people have told me that like, I didn't really want to get married. You know, like this was just something I felt I had to do. Um, this was just a prescription that society had pr programmed or prescribed to me. And in retrospect, I didn't really want it. You know, like, so there's, there's some conditioning around how partnership has to be that the Virgo risings are grappling with. Okay, Libra rising, we've got the Kazemi happening in the sixth house, which does have to do with, um, you know, how we navigate a situation where we may have the the lower hand. It, it, does that make sense? <laughs> like sometimes in the sixth house, we don't have the upper hand. We have to make peace with a situation that um, it feels like it's beneath us or it feels like we're not getting our fair share or some kind of injustice is being done against us. And I'm not necessarily saying that we should just um, grin and bear it through injustice, but there's some kind of navigation through um, a not perfect situation, especially at work because the sixth house is work life. Um, it's not perfect at work, but also you're thinking, um, what is the benefit of continuing to work through this challenge? Is there a benefit to working through this challenge? Um, some Libra Risings may be saying, no, there's not. And I need to empower myself by walking away. Uh, versus some Libra Risings may be saying, well, this sucks. Um, you know, I'm still six months away from this promotion. And I don't like what I'm doing right now. But like, how do I how do I balance my discontentment at work with my contentment in my everyday life? Uh, and this goes along with um, Jupiter in the eighth house for you right now, Libra Risings. You're actually expanding how you're resourcing yourself. 
So even if you're feeling disempowered with some everyday life experience, like your work life, um, how do you, how are you resourcing the help that you need from others? And how are you using this time to your advantage in some way? It's important for you to realize the advantage of this situation instead of buying into the complete and utter, um, like, empty cup of the situation. And if it truly is an empty cup, uh, then hopefully those resources can help you find a, a more full cup, okay? Scorpio rising, we've got that Saturn Kazemi in the fifth house of children, uh, creativity, our relationship to joy. Uh, and I think it's, it's interesting to also see Scorpio rising. Jupiter is going through the seventh house of relationships. So there's some kind of expansion when it comes to partnership. Uh, maybe you've met someone special. Maybe you're feeling a rebirth of sorts in your own partnership. And that is allowing you to feel more secure with your own self. And the fifth house has a lot to do with our autonomy. How we are responsible for our own happiness and not a lot of people associate Saturn with happiness and pleasure. <laughs> uh, but I will say, I think there might be some structure that is birthing when it comes to uh, maybe how joy and pleasure are being given a space in your life. Okay, so this could be something like signing up for a dance class um, you know, because you're like, okay, no, every Wednesday, seven to nine, I am making space for my, my, uh, passion. You know what this reminds me of the, uh, in the artist's way by Julia Cameron, uh, it reminds me of the artist's date or this idea that, um, it's this assignment Julia Cameron gives to you in the Artist Way program. She says once a week, you have to do an artist date. So that's when you go for like, I think an hour or two, and you carve out this spot in your week to dedicate to your creative practice, whether that be doing something that inspires you or really sitting down in a cafe and doing your art you know you're you're intentionally showing up to your artist archetype and that kind of feels very scorpio rising right now um sag rising we've got the kazimi going through the fourth house um so this is home and family and sad risings, I'm wondering uh, when it comes to relationship with the ancestors, uh, I think 
the ancestors are very strong right now, especially the ancestral stories that we carry in our DNA, right? Uh, like it's almost like an epi epigenetic kind of thing. Uh, uh, what is passed down to us genetically is also uh, what is passed down to us spiritually and um, you know we say things like this all the time like oh yep he's got his dad's sense of anger or oh he's just like his grandpa we even give our children the names of our elders you know I named my son after my brother and um you know, there's there's patterns that we exist in because of our family system. And I think there's a realization for the Sag Risings of a pattern. Uh, yeah, like of a pattern, of a um, certain family legacy that you might be letting go of in some way. Um, I know a Sag Rising who just recently uh, um, found out that they're pregnant. And I wonder how the pregnancy is maybe revealing a lot of things about their own um, sort of conditioning around parenthood. Uh, maybe what their, how they're own parents and grandparents may have thought about raising a kid versus how they're going to raise their kid. You know, there's some kind of like a uh, departure from the parenting philosophies, uh, you know, maybe used when they were growing up versus how they're deciding they want to, you know, raise their child. That's just kind of an example that came to me. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's sort of epigenetic kind of for the Sag Risings. Um, now Capricorn Rising, we've got the Kazemi going through the third house. Um, now the third house, uh, you know, the third house is like, you know, we get up, we go for our morning walk. We stop at the same coffee shop every morning, right? Like it's like our morning commute, you know? It's like it's like uh, what we see every day. It's the third house is the neighborhood, uh, the local community. It can be anywhere you're walking to or driving to every day. Um, and just the things that are close to us you know, uh, like, I'm thinking about how some Capricorn Risings um, might be sort of reestablishing this connection to the everyday. Maybe something has happened where their everyday is now set up a little bit differently and they're rooting back to into their community. Um, you know, like there's, there's something like that going on for the Capricorn Risings. I'm also wondering 
the third house being the ruler of siblings, I'm wondering, yeah, like, is there a sort of this new relationship with a sibling, maybe rebirthing for some reason? Our relationships to our siblings may change when a parent passes away or when a parent gets sick or when we have to work together to help clean out grandma's basement you know like there's there's something like that maybe going on for some Capricorn risings the the relationship with the sibling is somehow highlighted um, but regardless I would encourage Capricorn risings as a grounding uh, force in this next week uh, pay attention to like your everyday like go and connect with the neighborhood uh you know it's the it's the bird bath you walk past on the corner <laughs> it's like the chicken coop that i know is you know four blocks down to the right that i like to go and see and say hi to the chickens like you know like there's something like that coming up, coming through how that can be a f grounding force Aquarius rising, uh, we've got that Saturn Kazemi in the second house of livelihood and your resources. And uh, I'm getting that for the Aquarius risings, the how you are resourcing yourself is going through a rebirth, right? Um, there could be this vibe of, you know, uh, I, uh, I'm making this up, guys, but like, let's say someone, an Aquarius rising, owns a a, a pet a watching business. A, you know, they watch pets when you know, their owners are gone, right? Like a pet hotel. <laughs> and uh, it's like the Aquarius Rising realizes, like, I don't want to do this anymore. It's too much to have all these, like, dogs and pets in my own house. So I'm shifting my business over to just dog walking. Uh, that is how I'm going to resource myself now. Uh, there's like a shift in your needs and what you desire out of life and you're realizing that there's a different way that your needs need to be met right now and somehow your money has to shift along with that so there's a realization here about uh yeah, what you really want and how you want your home even to be structured because the fourth house is being transited by Jupiter. So there's some something too about resourcing in the home and how that is being divided. And uh, and yeah, yeah, there's... There's a big moment for Aquarius Risings. I wonder if some Aquarius Risings are, yeah, deciding I'm going to take a new job or I'm going to quit my job for a while and just reevaluate certain things. I'm going to spend more time at home. Something along those lines. 
Pisces rising, the Kazemi is happening in the first house of your identity. And I'm thinking about how your relationship to your own authority is really at the forefront right now. I, I really like this Kazemi for the, the Pisces risings. Like there's this new sense of autonomy. There's this new sense of empowerment. I actually had a Pisces rising say to me the other day, you know, since, you know, she's an astrologer, so she's astrologically aware of her transits. And she said, I, I feel like I can really be seen right now. Like, I feel like people are seeing me. And, you know, maybe, maybe Pisces risings typically, you know, because it's like so floaty and, uh, and ethereal, you know, it's like kind of like being a fairy when you're a Pisces rising. It's like Saturn is there, the planet of structure is like giving you newfound structure. And Pisces risings may find that they're showing up with more structure, more autonomy, more of that I am energy, uh, more gumption and grit to introduce yourself, to put yourself out there, uh, to overcome personal fear narratives that really no longer make sense. And that that goes along with Saturn rebirthing and Saturn also trans the transition of power. How has how have you been giving power to a certain narrative about who you are? And how can you transition that power over to a new narrative? <laughs> uh, so it, it's it's kind of an exciting time for the Pisces risings. And finally, Aries rising, we've got the 12th house. The Saturn Kazemi is happening in the 12th house of the subconscious. So, you know, out of everybody, I think there's some, you know, for the Aries risings, there's a really interesting thing happening where um you know the 12th house sometimes being being ruled over grief and feeling isolated and uh uh spiritual lessons and there really is like a what doesn't kill you makes you stronger kind of thing happening with the aries risings like uh there is this wisdom now where you're kind of like, I can get through anything, right? Like, bring it. <laughs> like, I've, I've navigated such deep things. And now I'm writing a book about it. Or I'm ready to share my wisdom with others. I've done a lot of psychological probing. And I'm ready to face myself in some way. I'm ready to give new structure to myself. And um, I'm ready to be of service in in some more profound way that feels like something that Aries Risings might be going through. Um, and I think this kind of adds up to Jupiter transiting your second house of money and resources. Like, 
there could be some kind of monetary increase that's coming from this greater desire to be of service. Uh, it's like you're aligning yourself on your path in a more pointed way, in a, in a sharper trajectory, and you're getting it. Like, the universe has given you a message and you're like, got it. <laughs> got it. Uh, so Aries Risings, I'm particularly interested in what kind of eureka moment you may be having uh, this week. Yeah, my friends, that is it. Uh, I hope this gave some deeper explanation into Saturn and Pisces uh, and the Kazemi. This is uh, certainly one of the more interesting transits, in my opinion, during 2024. And uh, yeah, please, you guys do such a good job of commenting your stories below. So if you have any insights into your rising sign and what kind of stories or insights that you're having into your own life, we would love to hear them uh, just because I think it's it's a nice learning environment in the comment section we can learn from what you're going through uh don't forget to like comment give me a subscribe if you wish thanks for all the support on these videos it means a lot and um i'll see you guys in the next forecast